0: Saturday nights Blueberry, sick of make my throat hurt hey. Rolling out CBs in the side for me Light them up and let them both burn. Family feuds, saying mom's confused I feel sure she doesn't wanna learn But daddy's gone, say he's never home And wishing only makes it worse I guess there's certain dreams that you gotta keep the holy no what challenge you say. All the things if i know got your parents
1: your morning spirit is powered by decaf Hello guys, this morning you have um, some special guests on Aura, we're not your usual hosts but nevertheless we're very excited to begin our morning with you and today you're here with me Tony, and me Bianca, it's so nice to be here and we also have a special guest today, Professor Levine who is here to join us for a little
2: political discussion to begin your morning with. Usually, we would like to start with something a bit more lighthearted, but in the light of recent events, we just really have to discuss this. First of all, Professor, how are you feeling today?
3: Uh, good morning. Thank you for inviting me. I wish it were under uh, more cheerful circumstances. I'm—I uh, would say I am shocked, but not surprised. Uh, so not surprised in the sense. Of course, we're talk. As people might have guessed, we're talking about the. Uh, death of uh, Navalny, uh, the, the Russia's leading um, uh, pro-democracy activist and uh, politician, um, it's not surprising in the sense that he is not, sadly, very sadly, he's not the first uh, to be killed by the regime. Uh, this has been happening for years. Uh, we could go back, for example, to 2015 when uh, Boris Nemtsov was shot dead within sight of uh, the Kremlin, and uh, what was significant there was that Nemtsov had been a deputy prime minister uh, during the 90s, So, and uh, Nemtsov, he, he had been asked previously uh, whether he was uh, afraid for his life, and he'd said that in, in his particular case, he thought that he was relatively safe because he'd been part of the elite, and the the uh, elite understands that once they start killing members of the elite, uh, that that breaks a certain norm that protects them. And uh, nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, uh, Nemtsov was was uh, assassinated. Uh, so Davalny's death is not so much a surprise. Um, all of us who follow Russia were aware that this could happen any day, uh, and yet it's still a shock yeah. when it happens. For sure, Be- because first and foremost, you know. I think it's important to note this is a, this was a 47 year old man with a long life ahead of him. Uh, leaves behind um, a wife, uh, two children, uh, a mother. Uh, so I, I think you know before we uh, g- get into the political analysis, I think it's important to acknowledge the human uh, the human element here and to to, to always keep that in mind
2: course. So you say straight away killed by the regime, however, the administration and Russia behind it claim that it was accidental. At the same time, the Western powers are for sure claiming that this was an assassination. What do you think really happened there? What do you believe is the take on it?
3: Well, the regime either killed him slowly or it killed him quickly. Uh, th- those, are, those are the two possibilities, right? It tried to kill him quickly in 2021 when uh, he was poisoned. Uh, he survived just barely, um, partly thanks to, to a great extent, thanks to uh, Russian individuals who were on the scene and acted professionally and decisively, uh, highly competently. And uh, as a a result, his life was saved. Um, He he ended up in Germany where, again, he was uh, treated by uh, excellent doctors. Um, And then he uh, chose to return to Russia, uh, fully aware that this could happen. Um, And the regime on trumped-up charges uh, sent him to prison. Uh, He'd spent a lot of time before that In this kind of revolving door, this kind of carousel between the street and court and prison, Uh, but this time it was uh, the the regime was clearly uh, determined to keep him there for good. Uh, So he was sentenced to prison to many years in prison and they sent him to uh, the maximum uh, security prison uh, up in the Arctic uh, where uh, he was kept under horrible conditions and spent uh, much of his time there Actually, in uh, being placed in isolation, Uh, so they did what they could to make things as as uh, uncomfortable for him as possible. And uh, we saw uh, there's there's footage of his uh, recent uh, court appearance just the other day, and uh, he did not look well. Uh, He looked uh, very much emaciated, Uh, but he was still you know smiling and making jokes and was. mentally uh, you know he was uh, keeping strong and uh, optimistic so uh, my point is they were ki- they tried to kill him quickly that failed uh, and then they switched to killing him slowly by keeping him in horrific conditions uh, so now it's just a question of uh, specifically why did he how and why did he die um the regimes uh, i think first said it was a blood clot then they said sudden death syndrome Uh, which basically means we have no idea we don't know what to say Uh, so did they decide to finish him off or did he die as a result of the horrible conditions that he was in Uh, they, uh, his mother uh, and lawyers have tried to get access to the body that's not been they're not being allowed to see it, Uh, needless to say that's Quite suspicious. Uh, seems like quite an obvious thing to do in, in these cases. Give everyone access to the body if it's if he just passed uh, uh, from natural causes. Uh, so who knows?
1: Yeah, but w- but it,
3: but we know who's responsible, one way or the other.
1: For sure, mm, the announcement of Nevanis' death was for sure striking, uh, especially considering the lack of details uh, surrounding the event. How do you think this is going to affect the opposition in Russia from now on? And what are the potential consequences for the political stability in the country?
3: Well, uh, what opposition at this point, right? Uh, For a long time uh, the Russian regime was what we could call a hybrid regime combining some elements of democracy and dictatorship. Where uh, the, the regime would tolerate a certain amount of dissent, right, and would go through the motions of a, a democratic system, and over time, it's increasingly the balance has increasingly tilted away from uh, the democratic elements uh, and towards the authoritarian elements. And at this point, it's no longer a hybrid regime; it's uh, it's an old-fashioned uh, dictatorship right and um i should mention of course navalny is not the only person and uh is also not the only um oppositionist who was placed in prison you you also have uh figures like uh, vladimir karamurzar and Ilya yashin and uh there's a whole long list of others um and uh the opposition at this point they can't they can't operate in russia it's uh Navalny had built uh, a nation-spanning organization uh, that's been destroyed by the regime. Um, there's uh, you can't organize yourself. You can't organize yourself in Russia now for uh, for any kind of um, oppositional activity. Anything that looks like it departs from uh, the government line. Uh, so uh, this is. So this is a this is a sign. Uh, it's it's a message to people who are oppositionally minded, who of course exist in Russia. Uh, it's a message to you know keep keep their heads down and not try anything because the government um, is willing to act against anyone under any circumstances. Uh, it's certainly a big. I mean, Navalny's loss is certainly a big loss uh, to the democratic movement because he was and he was quite extraordinary. Uh, he was quite an extraordinary character, um, and there's uh, there's not that many people like that. Uh, partly because the government keep, keeps killing them, of course. Uh, Boris Nemtsov was uh, also quite charismatic, and you know he had a, he had a strong background uh, in government. And uh, as I said, he was eliminated. Uh, he was murdered. Um, Navalny, you know, one of the ways in which the regime has kept power is uh, thanks to the opposition being very fragmented, Russian politics is very fragmented. You have uh, liberal Democrats, you have socialists and communists, uh, you have right wing nationalists, and uh, a lot of them don't like Putin, but a lot of them also really don't like each other, right? Uh, So to have an effective opposition, it's important to pull these very, very different forces together. and. they often prefer to fight each other than to fight the government. And Navalny was very good at uh, talking to people from very different backgrounds and with very different points of view and finding issues that they could agree on. Uh, this um, He uh, got his start as an anti-corruption blogger. Now. Corruption is one of those things that actually everybody can agree on. Uh, Everyone understands it and everyone knows that it's a bad thing and everyone can see it. Everyone can see uh, examples of it. So this was something that could actually bridge all these many, many divides um, within uh, Russian politics, within the Russian opposition. It's it's a big part of what made him uh, so dangerous, Um, In addition to, you know, his communication skills, his charisma, his uh, organizational skills, um, and he showed also a great deal of pragmatism at times, so for example, he had uh, the smart voting initiative, uh, which was a very smart move, Um, very dangerous for the regime because, uh, I mean, as I said, the regime still wants to have a kind of simulated democracy. Right. So um, with smart voting, the idea was that instead of anti-Kremlin voters uh, splitting their votes among multiple candidates in various districts, um, they should, in each district, just vote for a single non-regime candidate, wh- whoever that happens to be, even if it's, if it's, for example, someone from the Communist Party. right? Uh, and that could have uh, led to a lot of trouble. Uh, for the government. Um, I mean, losing, of course, losing the doom of the parliament is not the end of the world, but it's, uh, it's, it's a big step. It's a big crack in the facade, right? So that's just an example of uh, something that's very clever, but also shows uh, a great deal of um, uh, creativity, but also flexibility, right? A willingness to uh, support people whom he m- m- may disagree with on a whole range of issues uh, as long as it uh, weakens the regime.
2: So you mentioned how right now opposition supporters are definitely being sent the message to just lay down. Um, But what do you think is going to be the reaction of the Russian citizens, the regular people about it? How are they going to respond to this?
3: Right, so one of the messages from the regime and from people who are sympathetic to it Uh, in Russia, in the West, and there are such people, uh, is that Navalny did not matter, right? This is not a big deal. Uh, But, well, uh, (laughs) he was important enough to murder, right? He was important enough to put in a gulag. Uh, The Russian media has felt compelled to acknowledge that he has died. They haven't been able to completely ignore this. They've uh, briefly mentioned that he has died, uh, it, it's not headline, it's not, uh, you know, uh, number one news, but they do put it in there somewhere. They mention, oh, by the way, right. Um, so, uh, and when he, uh, in, in the one o- election that he was allowed to take part in, when he ran for mayor of Moscow uh, against the current mayor, Sberingen, uh he got, I think it was 27% of the vote. So banning got a little bit over 50%, uh, which is um, quite extraordinary considering all the resources uh, that were lined up against Navalny. Uh, so there are significant numbers of people, I think, who are quietly uh, going to be very upset about this. And there are smaller numbers of people who have been going out uh, and uh, laying flowers, right, and uh, facing, uh, in turn facing intimidation from the authorities who are telling them to you know, go home and, and uh, taking away the flowers and there are reports of hundreds of people being arrested uh, because they, they want to stage um, vigils uh, to, to, to mark his death. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think a significant portion of the population is upset about this.
1: You mentioned that Navalny was important enough to murder, uh, to to get murdered, (laughs) Um, yet even after his um, poisoning attempt, he decided to return to Russia after surviving Um, despite all the risks. Why do you think he decided to proceed that way, to return?
3: Uh, It's an extraordinary uh, decision to make uh, for a person. Right, it's uh, something that the vast majority of people wouldn't do, uh, and uh, this this makes him. Uh, this is one of the things that make him a historically significant figure um, in in Russian history now. Uh, and I mean, in terms of uh, the pragmatic side of it, because he was he could be very pragmatic. Uh, he he understood that if he if he goes into exile. Um, That'll greatly reduce his, his influence in Russia itself. Uh, and in exile, he'd be one of a number of these exiled uh, Russian oppositionists um, competing over uh, their own little segments of the uh, exile community, right, and, and, and support. Uh, so he, I think, he understood that if he if he com- if he comes back to Russia, his his uh, ch- chances of influencing Russian politics at some point in time, perhaps many years down the line, uh, go up. And he, he weighed that against the very real risk that he would be murdered. Um, but his, you know, his his message he was uh, consistently his message to people was that uh, we should be hopeful and we shouldn't be afraid of this regime and there's more of us than there are of them
1: well thank you so much professor for this amazing discussion i believe you gave some very valuable insights to our listeners um
2: and it was for sure a very strong start of the morning yes it was a pleasure having you here thank you and now we'll be having a quick music break and then we're gonna be back thank you Back, quite a short music break, but it's a dynamic morning over here. We are joined right now with our second guest. We have Andrea here in the studio, president of ABG Griff of God Griffins. Excuse me, how are you feeling today? Um, thank you for inviting me today.
4: I'm very excited. It's my first time at Aura Studio, so I'm very excited. What do you think of the studio? <laughs> um, It has the true vibe of Aura, like, I can't explain it, but when I entered here, it just like, Aura vibe everywhere, I really like it, and it's so powerful,
2: I really like it. Alright, let's tell our listeners why you're joining us today, because I don't believe we've told them. So this week, it's your upcoming event, Train Your Way to Success. Let's talk about it. Could you tell us what's the format? Um, yeah, so that's our one of our major events for the
4: academic year. Um, its main goal is to make uh, students uh, be active uh, and um, lead a healthy lifestyle, which is very important because students most of the time are studying or, like, you know, not very active, most of them. So that's the main goal. This year it's inspired by the SAFIO or in Bulgarian Green Volata. It's a reality show, uh, kind of like Survivor, but not so harsh. And yeah, we'll have a Q&A session with speakers from the reality show, uh, one of the main stars from all the seasons. Um, and also after that, there will be a competition, three tracks, three teams, uh, 24 people in total, and the speakers will be the mentors of the teams. And they will have to go through the tracks, there will be five games, testing their flexibility, balance, um, logical knowledge and stuff like this. And uh, after that, like during the competition, they will compete for time and the team with the best time will uh, uh, win the prizes.
1: Well, that sounds like a very intriguing competition and a very ambitious one as well. Can you tell us if you've ever done something similar to this format before
4: uh, for Griffins? Um, my first year, which was like two, three years ago, uh, we created the event as our main event. And it was kind of similar back then. Uh, it also had these uh, games that people would have participated in them. And uh, they, they were led by uh, Griffins hosts, but also by the speakers, which were Uh, who were like uh, Tervil Pulev and uh, one of the participants in uh, uh, DeSafio Vice Saifi. So it was kind of similar but never concentrated in a reality format. But this year it just became so famous and we thought that it will be very, like, it will be a lot of fun to bring the format in AOBG Sports Hall. So yeah, it's something huge this
2: year but it will be very, very exciting. I hope it will be. You mentioned Vice. I saw your stories the other day. Can you tell us a little bit more about who the other guests are going to be?
4: Yeah, that will be a little spoiler right now. You can hint if you want to. So first is Vanya Zapranova. She's the first ever woman reaching the finals of the reality show. Um, Then is Vice, who participated in the second season together with Vanya. And he also is a very interesting, like, reality show star because he has so many qualities and he's so, like, active but also has some uh, of his own businesses. So he's very powerful personality. And then we have uh, Stratimir. Uh, he was also a star of uh, the reality show and he's famous with this, uh, that he had a lot of will to be very active and to become more like healthier because he had problems with overweight. So with a lot of will and practice, he got um, like more healthier. So, yeah. And we have a fourth speaker that will be a secret for now. And it will be announced this week.
2: Okay, so that's news.
1: Very intriguing. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, All right. Just because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners right now are wondering because who wouldn't want to participate in such an event. um, Can you tell us a bit more about the organization of the teams, the distribution? How are you going to assign people
4: to each team? So uh, we posted a Google form where people can uh, sign up for the competition. However, uh, the members of the teams will be uh, chosen via raffle during the event um, and will be chosen by our speakers or mentors. Uh, So, yeah, no one has a guaranteed spot in the team. uh, But in total, like 24 people will be drawn from the raffle and
2: they will compete. (laughs) You mentioned that um, the challenges that they're going to go through are in in various um different areas, strength, flexibility, and all that. Can you tell us a bit more about that? How many, what exactly, if you can reveal that? Um, I can't reveal exactly the games,
4: mm-hmm. uh, since everyone will be prepared for them. We don't want this. Uh, they are not very hard, but still we want this um, surprise to be at the event. Uh, yeah, I can, um, they, they will be. there will be five games. That's all I can say for now, like testing of the people's physical qualities. Mm -hmm. We
1: love a little mystery. (laughs) (laughs)
4: All
1: right, so there are going to be five games, but how are you going to determine the winner of those games?
4: Um, They'll compete for time. So the team with the best time of going through the tracks uh, will win the prizes. So there will be 1st, 2nd and 3rd place and it will be determined by time.
2: Okay, and have you determined what the price is going to be yet or? Yes, but still a surprise because
4: we don't want people to know yet. I mean, there are uh, mainly uh, things that will help people um, leading healthy lifestyle, especially students, and there are things that will be very handy for them and will motivate them to be uh, more active.
1: Alright, and can you clarify once again when and where it's going to take place so our listeners can prepare?
4: Yeah, Uh, so 22nd of February, this Thursday, ABF Sports Hall,
2: and it starts at 7.30pm. Sounds good. And assuming there's going to be audience, people can watch, to wrap it up, in a few words, what can we expect to see on Thursday? I'm coming in. I want to know. Um, Expect the unexpected. That's all I can say. <laughs> Love that. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for inviting me. And we're going to have a quick music break again. And we're going to be right back.
1: and we are back after this short music break you just listened to Andy hero by Taylor Swift and pink and white by Frank Ocean uh, to help you wake up a bit more and now it's time for our next guest who is Nicole, the president of Ellipsis, which is a newly found journalism club. And it was actually found last year, right Nicole?
5: Yeah, we're almost one year old. Uh, Actually this week we're gonna be one year old. We're having a birthday.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is so adorable. So it's perfect that we have you here right now so you can tell us a bit more
5: about the club. And can you tell us what Ellipsis is all about? Well, basically, the idea started as me wanting to have a broadcast kind of club in AOBG. Right now, it's not exactly what the initial idea was, just because resources and, you know, time and everything, and it's very hard to start something like that. Um, But the idea first came from the module class with Professor Sarelska. And I was like, "Well, we can do something like that with like phones, filming. Um, there is like space for this kind of club, and we need more media clubs. Uh, generally, even if somebody says like there is uh, the newspaper, there is the radio, there is this kind of stuff. But I say, well, yeah, there were. There is newspapers outside, there is radio outside, and there is television outside. So there is always space for new media for new ideas." And that's how I said, yeah, I have this idea and then went to my friends and we started it together.
2: Lovely. So the reason why actually we decided to invite you today is because we've been seeing posters around campus of a competition being advertised. So can you tell us more about the competition you're organizing?
5: Yeah, so... I think it was last semester when we like originally started like as a club. It was last semester we started the whole thing a year ago, but as a club last semester. And we we're thinking about uh, how do smaller clubs like make themselves visible and what kind of events we can organize. And we we're thinking, what if we do something very big and it will be like as such a small club organizing such a big event? It's like shocking Uh, and that's how we decided that maybe something that is multiple days that has not been done yet and we thought about a festival Uh, and then we decided what if this festival is also like more with innovation meaning it's not only film festival but it's uh, generally media festival so it includes podcasts it, it includes audio storytelling and includes fiction video and non-fiction video and animations so it's a lot of different topics that people can include
1: all right that's actually very interesting and you have a great diversity of categories um which leads me to our next question Mm, what uh, who are the judges of this competition how many are they and why did you decide to choose them
5: so we were thinking about that the the judges should be people that are independent from us so that university students, students from the club, from different universities can participate and it's non-biased so we wanted to choose people that are well known in the media in Bulgaria and just because we are based in Bulgaria we wanted to to have the judges to be Bulgarian people and also those are people that are professionals in the different kinds of uh, work they do so we have uh, Maria Cheresheva, she's a radio host, so we, she connects to our idea of having sound uh, podcasts and stuff like that. And then we have Maria Milkova, she's, uh, she's again a journalist, she writes a lot, uh, she's part of school media, and both of them are also part of uh, ISJ, which is uh, for independent journalists in Bulgaria organization. And we have uh, Blagoj Mumchivov, He's uh, one of the most famous uh, videographers in Bulgaria, very successful, has 31 years of experience in the in the field. And of course, we have Chris Zahariev. a lot of people know him. He's maybe the most famous person on like uh, uh, from the jury. Uh, what he does, I think maybe a lot of people know. He started as a YouTuber. Uh, he runs um, his own company. He also films videos for uh, Mulets. a lot of people that listen to Bulgarian music know that. And we have uh, Elenko Elenkov, he started um, the podcast Govori Internet and he also connects to, to this category with audio pieces.
2: That sounds like a very diverse combination. Let's circle back a bit of, for the um, categories. Uh, what are the official categories and the guidelines and the criteria
5: okay so starting up with audio storytelling that's the first category and includes two uh, kind of pieces that can be submitted the first one is a podcast like you know a podcast it can be up to 15 minutes i for for podcast maybe that's a lot but that's why we have people deciding how long they want to do it Uh, And then we have audio feature, which is basically very interesting, especially for me, that uh, people uh, can create a story or like a movie that you would watch with closed eyes. So you have people that like speak, you have sounds, you have sound effects, you have the whole story just through sound. So you make it that when people are listening to it, you can imagine what's happening. And then we have fiction video. In fiction video, again, we have uh, two categories in it. We have animation, so people that do this. I know there is people in AOBG that do animation. And also a feature film, basically actors. And again, uh, with the idea that the festival is based on topics that connect to society, social topics, uh, socially engaging stuff. And again, the last one is nonfiction video, which is a short documentary movie or an uh, interview based uh, journalistic piece, basically just interviewing people. You've people from AOBG probably done it for GMC classes. So yeah, that maybe is the most simple one Uh, and for editing and for everything. So yeah, that's the categories.
1: Alright, sounds amazing, but what's the motivation for a person to participate uh, in this competition besides uh, improving their um, their, uh,
5: media abilities? What about the prize? Is there a prize? Yeah, we have prizes. There will be prizes for choice of public. That is one that is not decided by the judges. And we have three winning places, so one for each category. That will be decided by the, the judges. They would have a criteria on which they're going to base their vote. And we have also a giveaway for the for the people that come and watch uh, in person uh, on the 30th of April. And uh, right now, the, the prizes are a secret, so I cannot share with you. But generally, also motivation for people, I believe, is the idea that and how we present it in our invitation towards people is that we want people to share their views on social topics. So if you have a project or anything that you want to share in this way, I think it's a great opportunity to show your work. Sounds like it is.
2: It got me thinking about it when I saw the poster and I wondered if it's April
5: 30th, why is it advertised right now? But now we know. Yeah, it's because of submission, you know, uh, because some people may decide to do a new project but there is also the option to submit something old so something that you've already worked on you may improve it, you may not improve it but you have the time to decide if you want to submit something old that you have used before somewhere and again everything that gets produced and gets presented just needs to be credited for the people that have been involved in it Uh, or if you have used AI just mention it you know because it won't be fair to other people that have done the job in a different way
2: one thing that just came to mind do you have a,
5: like a specific requirement for it to be in English for example or can it be in other languages? Actually that's one of the main things in general for the club uh, because one of the other things that the club does is like giving the platform to other people and that's how the festival actually connects to us and what we've done so far with other events and with the actually the festival is that everybody who wants to participate can do their project in any language. So right now we also have submissions from Europe, universities in Europe and uh, the States. We already have people that have applied for the festival from different countries. The idea is that they can do it in French, German, whatever, you know, any language. The only, the only thing is that they should include uh, uh, English subtitles so it will be understandable when we screen it. But in general, they can do any language that they want.
1: Beautiful. And for such a big competition, especially considering that this is Ellipse's first official year, do you think you would manage to make it a reoccurring thing throughout the years of
5: uh, the club's future? Would you want to make it an annual competition? Yes. So that's what we named it. First annual media festival. And the idea of the whole festival is way bigger than you can see right now. We have a lot of stuff that is not happening this year, and a lot of questions also arise because of that. Maybe uh, we had people asking why is it a festival when it's just one day of uh, like the screening ceremony? And we say, yeah, we have two events that are part of the festival, one on the 27th of February, which is next week, and one on the 30th, when is the screening ceremony. But in general, the idea is, uh, this is like a test trial, you know, and if it works, we hope that in the future we can do the whole thing with the multiple days of uh, screening. We want to have each category in a different day and also we have another categories that we were prepared to present for different types of um, participants. So we have a lot of idea how to develop this
1: beautiful and just to wrap up our discussion can you share to our listeners what's the event on
5: the 27th so they can prepare in case they want to come yeah so event is open to all people even if you're not a participant and you just want to come it's a workshop and a Q&A it's called Media 101 so basically we'll have part of the the judges coming and also some other mentors professors from AMBG, uh Professor Murphy We'll also be there to present. Uh, We'll start first with Q&A session. People can ask questions to the jury. They are going to present themselves. We're going to ask us a club questions, especially about projects and how you prepare for the festival. And then we're going to have the workshop part. It's more of a workshop than a Q&A. Uh, and basically, we're gonna divide it into different topics. So, writing and interviewing, uh, uh, sound editing and recording, and video editing and recording. And basically, people can uh, learn more about that by practice. So, there will be practical stuff getting done there. So, you're all invited on the 27th, 720, right after the lecture, <laughs> if you have one. Yeah, in BAC Auditorium.
2: Sounds great. It's almost like a preparation for then to work on your project and submit that's great lovely thank you so much for joining us today and telling us more about the competition we're gonna have a very very short music break and we're gonna be back once again thank you Once again, guys, our next section is going to be a pre-recorded segment of our Open House.
1: Yeah, we did a bit of research to share with you some of the new students, their opinions, what are the impressions of the university, and we hope to take you a bit back in time when you were a freshman or about to be a freshman in the UG and remind you of the different emotions that you might have experienced.
2: Let's hear it!
6: Do you have a favorite thing about the university or campus that you've seen today? I like how spacious it is and how modern it is and uh, professional. Can you tell me why you would come to ABG instead of your other university? Why are you thinking about transferring?
7: Well, because
3: here it seems a lot more modern. The people look more brighter and more opening. In my specialty that I'm studying right now, it's a bit out of, how can I say, old school. Uh, and the special, the special, how can I say, the jobs I can work are not my type. And I'm like, I'm searching for a new modern, like, way to study. Because we're studying like we're in the 20th century and it's not, like, very professional.
6: And that's basically why. If you had to choose one thing that you could pick as your favorite thing that you've seen today or about ABG, what would it be and, and why?
8: Oh, that's a hard one. I think the clubs, I really love the I love the people there. Uh, all of them greeted me incredibly. They all showed me what they do and what they're passionate about. They're so different from one another and I think there is something for everyone.
6: What do you hope to gain out of ABG by coming here? You know, because it's different than other universities.
8: Mostly, I want to see how other people from other countries think feel about not only bulgaria but the whole world their perspective on life and uh, their uh, future about what they want to do outside of the school outside of aubg after it and overall see what it has in store for me
6: what do you think about AUBG? well it seems pretty professional pretty well kept and uh It's really promising. What have been your first impressions of the university? Seeing the campus, some of the people um, walking around here. You know, tell me what you think about it.
8: Well, it's vastly different than what I had thought based on other universities in Bulgaria that I've been to and have seen. Uh, in other towns. I believe that the community is incredible, the diversity in it, uh, the different aspects and themes that are explored in the clubs and the programs. And I think it's something incredible that there is this type of university here in Bulgaria, even if it's just this one.
6: Can you tell me your favorite thing about ABG that you've seen today?
0: How nice everyone is. Is a lot of people that welcome you, and it just makes you feel welcome, and that's pretty much it.
6: What do you hope to gain out of ABG by
0: coming here? Uh, I hope to meet a lot, new, a lot of new people and to prosper, basically, have a bright future.
6: What do you think of ABG? Like, what have been your first impressions coming here? Well, I think it's, it's different than most universities here in Bulgaria, that's for sure. and. It just appeals more to me than the rest. That's what I say. If you were to come to ABG, what would you hope to gain out of it?
4: Mostly, lots and lots of friends from all over the world. And uh, the opportunities that you talk about, you know, the opportunities in uh, Europe and in America, mostly in the US, maybe, and get the most out of my programs, really, about... uh, I'm a nerd when it comes to those things, so yeah.
6: What has been your favorite thing so far from seeing ABG?
4: Probably how nice people are here. Maybe that's the thing that um, got me the most. And again, the history lecture that I had, I really liked it. Like I saw exactly
8: what maybe it would be like, and I like that. But probably how nice people are here.
6: How would you say this campus is different than the other ones you've seen in Bulgaria?
7: It isn't run down mostly, like yeah, the windows aren't broken. Uh, toilets work, you know, uh, it exists mostly just uh, the, the fact that it's there. Why exactly
6: do you want to come to ABG? Like, what do you hope to gain out of it?
7: Well, the, the, communi- the community seems nice, the campus as well, also the ability to go study abroad for uh, some amount of time, mostly that. What are your first impressions of ABG
6: after walking around, uh, listening to the lectures, seeing the open house? What do you think?
7: Well, I've not listened to a lecture yet, but it seems like uh, probably the best place for me because uh, I am—I have no idea what I'm going to do after school. I have lots of different interests and this seems like the place to probably see what I want to do after class and probably develop more than just one thing. What do you hope to gain out
6: of ABG as a queer person? Uh,
9: I want to find my most open and authentic self because uh, over the years for suppressing what I am as a person and who I love and what I stand for. uh, I've lost some parts of me and uh, I really hope to find myself actually. I'm excited to see what AOG offers about film and photography because that's what I'm interested in. And I would say also diversity. There isn't much uh, diversity in Bulgarian schools, so coming here might add to my understanding of other people.
6: What's your favorite thing that you saw today?
9: Well, the people, the vibe of the place, I love it, and the campus is amazing, absolutely. Compared to the other uh, universities in Bulgaria, this place is amazing, definitely.
6: How would you say it's different than the other universities in Bulgaria?
9: First of all, the campus is uh, definitely much more modern, much more comfortable, I would say. I love the way they talked on that uh, ceremony and
6: everything. If you were to join ABG, what would you hope to gain out of it?
1: I would like to connect with the people here from different countries, obviously. 40 countries, I think they said. I would like to learn from the lecturers and just to socialize, to learn, and that's basically it, yeah.
6: What has been your first impression of ABG uh, as a visitor?
1: Uh, It's really positive. It's really nice here, and I enjoy listening to the people who speak. Um, They know what they are doing and I really enjoyed the lecture um, that we
6: just had. What do you hope to gain out of coming to ABG? I'm mostly aiming to get out of my comfort zone and thus to become more confident because I'm very shy usually and uh, I just want to become more confident more courage to have to contact with more people and make friendships are you satisfied with the clubs that you see the amount the type is there anything that you would want to see more of here at abg yeah the all the clubs are very unique and different in their own way i'm the most impressed by the theater and the sports club also it's uh, very entertaining and yeah Are you satisfied with what you saw today? Is there any more things you would like to see in the clubs? What do you think?
8: Actually, there's a big uh, variety of clubs and interests, so uh, you can combine all of your interests in one. Uh, That's my first impression. Maybe I'm interested in uh, the business club. I think that's the most interesting and uh, the writing center.
6: What are your first impressions of ABG? Do you like what you see? Is there anything you hope to gain out of coming here?
2: Um, My first impression of uh, the university was that it's really different from the others that I've heard of and I have friends from different universities and they tell me what is there, but here it's way different and I think that that's the most unique part of it. The professors I heard here are really friendly and like try to get to know you and know your name in the other universities. I don't think it's like that and from people I know it's maybe not like that.
6: What were your first impressions today, seeing the university and going through the open house? What did you think?
9: I was actually stunned about uh, the difference between Bulgarian public school and AUBG. The difference is crazy. Uh, I actually just attended a lecture. The professor left us wanting to learn more. I was just amazed by everything.
2: And we're back again.
1: For our final goodbyes, because this was the end of our podcast segment this morning with you guys.
2: Very interesting responses we heard. I don't know how realistic it's going to turn out when they do come here, but hopefully they're still that positive. Yeah,
1: hopefully. So yeah, guys, we're very stoked that we spent our morning with you today. We hope that we made it a bit um, brighter and more interesting and yeah and hopefully
2: you enjoyed it as well
1: yeah so now we're going to leave you with some lo-fi chill beats so you can enjoy the rest of your day without us and I don't know we'll see you again next Monday right?
2: hopefully we'll see we'll see undecided (laughs) (laughs) so
1: yeah stay tuned and bye guys see you bye